You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I am your uh, ceremonial host, Abraham. (laughs) And I am your Ruby Red host, Shane. I'm your Emmy Award winning guest star, Alan. (laughs) Welcome, Alan. We're so glad to have you. Yeah, Thank thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And so today is a it's a special day. You know, it's one of these they only come they only come once ever probably type of <laughs> occasions. <laughs> you know, unless I leave you guys and go start another podcast. <laughs> you know, it's funny though. Like it still wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same, right? Like so, it's funny that you say that. We can only have one of these particular events. That's a fact. That's a fact. So we have been doing this. <laughs> show for four years that means that if i had gotten shane pregnant right when i started recording this podcast we would have a four-year-old <laughs> right now <laughs> well we would have a three-year-old and change that's true we have to include yeah. the gestation period well <laughs> let's, let's say the th- three-year-old was born the day the podcast started or the, the infant not the three-year-old <laughs> hopefully they're not born yeah, yeah, when yeah. They're three. <laughs> it's like that um that will ferrell sketch where he's born as a 42 year old man yeah exactly yeah it's, it's just like that we have made it four years i i mean i have not been here the entire four years so you so it's kind of like how kiss only has like those two original members you know Sure. Like you're really the only original member of the of the why we do what we do crew at this point in time. We're like a series of Pearl Jam drummers that just keep, you know, rotating out for every <laughs> few years. Yeah, Stone Gossard is a real workhorse. Like he really he really drives everybody in that band and they, some drummers just can't handle it. So oh. so I guess that's it. Abraham, you're the you're the Stone Gossard of uh <laughs> of the podcast. What an honor. <laughs> I go by uh, Elder Abraham. <laughs> that works. So <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we thought it'd be fun. We were sort of talking about the fact that it's our four year anniversary. What kind of specific celebration or gift that that might entail, right? Because it's an anniversary, so why not? And that got us thinking. Maybe we should talk about that. Let's talk about the weird traditions and gifts that that people sort of give and and receive and do. I guess as a celebration of anniversaries. So we picked out a few of those. So we'll go ahead and just dig a little bit of history, I think, talk about where the idea of specific gift giving even really comes from, which I think maybe even begin with the fact, and maybe some people don't know, that anniversaries now are associated with specific gifts depending on the anniversary. So for instance, because this is our four-year anniversary or wedding anniversary, the gift would be something like a hydrangea or a geranium. Or an appliance, like I, I'm going to get a, a "Why We Do What We Do" mini fridge that only I can use because you all live in different places. <laughs> but but that would be a, a, a traditional four year anniversary gift. So it'd be great if pneumatic tubes, pneumatic like tubes, if those yeah. existed more regularly now. Yeah, like and then that way we got one of those that just hooked all of our houses up, so we could just send mail via tube or each other <laughs> or each other. Yeah, I mean that would be great. Like just really big pneumatic tubes. Like in uh, the Tenacious D song. From now on, we're all traveling in tubes. I get the scientists working on the tube technology right away. <laughs> uh, or like uh, or like in Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's, that's a fact. <laughs> Realistic. 
Very real. Yeah, they were. I, I really did appreciate their <laughs> commitment to hyper realism in that. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on the hyper. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about the history of this a little bit. The idea or the, the practice of distinct gifts for specific anniversaries. It's not really super well known where that began. And as far as I was able to find, some sources suggested as early as the Holy Roman Empire. Most that seem to agree on this a little bit more instead suggested sort of medieval times, the Middle Ages. It really did seem from what I was able to find that everything was like had this sort of European centric history. And I specifically tried to even look up <laughs> other cultures. I know, right? <laughs> I tried to look up other cultures and say, like, what what are the anniversary traditions in this culture? And then they would be like, let me sell you some wooden statues. I'm like, but that's that's not what I want. <laughs> I don't want your wooden statues. I want to know why you have wooden statues. <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I had a hard time finding anything about these non-European traditions. The tradition that I pulled, I wanted to pull from something that wasn't European-centric. Thank you. Just because I was like... I'm actively trying not to be a colonizer. So, you know, but we also promised ourselves that we wouldn't talk about colonizers in this episode. So (laughs) we did. I don't know. We might have at some point in time. I feel like we probably did. So these anniversaries that we're talking about, um, you know, some of them are called silver and gold anniversaries, respectively. And in the 1800s, more traditions were added. So the fifth anniversary was the wooden anniversary, which sounds just such like a bummer unless you're a carpenter. Like that's probably like (laughs) the coolest like, if you're a woodworker, you're like, hell yeah, I made it. Yeah, Ron, Ron Swanson was all over that. <laughs> Ron Swanson is stoked. Jesus, too, I guess, right? Because he was a carpenter. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did he make it to his, the fifth anniversary? <laughs> I don't know. Did he? I guess if you count birthdays as anniversaries, then yeah, he got there. But the 75th became the diamond anniversary, although Queen Victoria celebrated her 60th year on the throne with a diamond jubilee. So the 60th anniversary is also celebrated with diamonds. So you'll see kind of how these like specific events might have shaped up different types of anniversaries. Yeah, and uh, a little bit more recently, uh, in 1922, Emily Post, an American author famous for writing about etiquette, she published a book called The Blue Book of Social Usage, in which she further prescribes specific gifts for the first, fifth, 10th, 15th, 20th, 25th, 50th, and 75th anniversaries. So she was a big fan of skip counting, which is now commonplace in, in the common core That's right. of public education. Very important. Doesn't believe in thirds and sevens. <laughs> and, and in that writing, she recommended a gift every year for the first 15 years and then every five years after that. I would love to see this book now and see how much of it holds up. I bet it would be an, an interesting exploration in Americana. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine I imagine it's problematic today. <laughs> probably, probably. All right. So in 1937, so a little a little bit after Emily Post was writing about her suggestions for how to be an appropriate socialite, <laughs> the American National Retail Jeweler Association really figured we're missing out on an opportunity here, and so they decided that they were going to quote unquote help by offering a comprehensive list of materials and by materials of course i mean precious stones mm-hmm. that were the gifts that were you were supposed to give for the first 20 years so every year for the first 20 years and then every 5 years up to the 75th anniversary so i mean they were really like you guys we need to be capitalists from <laughs> cradle to grave <laughs> catching on to this thing that's where the the gemstones come in there further have been added some 
some certain flowers associated with these as well as colors. I don't know that big color can really get a lot of payout from uh, recommending these colors, but maybe I'm wrong. And then some other interesting ones that I found were just in some Dutch traditions. There was an anniversary at 12 and a half years. (laughs) So I guess, you know, if you're married in October, then you're celebrating your anniversary in April. This breaks every one of Emily Post's rules, just to say. (laughs) Emily Emily Post is fuming right now. And then also in Holland, I saw some information to suggest that they have anniversaries for six and a quarter years (laughs) and also 37 and a half years. So great. (laughs) You know, the six and a quarter does get you like, (laughs) what do you do with that? Yeah. Six and a quarter is halfway to 12 and a half, which is halfway to 25. So maybe they're really (laughs) like that as their their, their sort of justification. (laughs) Or maybe maybe they're doing it on a different planet's measure of a year. Like maybe maybe this is like normal for Mars years. Oh, okay, yeah. there you go. We have to start preparing. That's right. <laughs> they, were, they were very prepared. <laughs> yeah, they were way ahead of the game. I'm so bad at math that there's no way I'd be able to celebrate these anniversaries. You'd have to like set it up in your calendar or something to auto calculate and remind you. Yeah, because there, there's no other way I could do it. <laughs> so. When we started looking at kind of the breakdown of different anniversaries, we are looking at the first anniversary all the way through the 80th anniversary. And we found that, you know, when they started breaking up these materials and kind of identifying these stones, we found that people got really lazy after the 25th, like to the point where they just started repeating themselves. So, but just to kind of give you an idea, the first anniversary is supposed to be the colors gold or yellow. The fifth anniversary is supposed to be blue, pink, or turquoise. The ninth is supposed to be lapis lazuli, purple, green, or terracotta. A different color. Yeah, they they're all very different colors. Then when you get to the 15th anniversary, it's ruby red. When you get to the 40th anniversary, it's ruby red. When you get to the 80th anniversary, it's ruby red. So you know they they start kind of just just giving up at some point in time. But this includes like sapphire red and coral and gold and emerald green and diamond white and all this. And there there is legitimately something for every single anniversary up to the 25th. And after that, it's they're they're doing that skip counting again that Alan mentioned. Right. So. The increasing value of the gifts should represent increasing reward for the stability of the relationship. So that's why you see like leather being a gift early on and then diamonds being a gift later, right? So, you know, at least the first, the tradition of a specific wedding gift for specific anniversaries came from people liked cataloging or systemizing things and the legitimate celebration of remarkable endurance that lasted an impressive amount of time. So you'll see that there is like some kind of symbolism with the material or the the gifts that are presented in in those spaces. Yeah, and uh, it seemed to evolve from similar motivations in Emily Post's book in having an expanded social prescription in order to be a sort of wealthy or at least a proper socialite, to which she was the resident expert, apparently, which is why we all know her name. <laughs> That's right. The famous <laughs> Emily Post. <laughs> We're currently taking suggestions as to who should write the updated version of this. <laughs> Hopefully not somebody named Kardashian. It, oh man maybe it's like a great grandchild of like ashley post right <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense there's also some uh level of practicality in that people seem to enjoy these traditions one way or another whether they're indoctrinated or truly just enjoy topaz blue whatever topaz blue is <laughs> <laughs> as one does and as they recommend specific types of gifts for a celebration in which a gift is going to be expected anyway because if you don't give me that sky blue what's the difference between sky blue and topaz blue 
the world may never <laughs> But as we've touched on, um, as a symptom or result of capitalism, the other reason is just straight up money, baby. <laughs> yeah, I think you can always uh, follow follow the trail of of coins and receipts back to a lot of these where part of the reason this exists is because people can make a make a buck doing it. And then just as you were saying also that like also some people are like, you know, I, I got to give them something. So just having a, a guide tell me something to give is helpful, which I mean, now we have Pinterest. So maybe even that'll go away <laughs> or it'll update it. Like, I mean, that's why we're that's why we're getting the Matic tubes. Like, because, because now those modern traditions are very, very different, right? Like we legitimately looked at like some of it was clothing and technology was one of them, right? Like there were some weird, like some ones were like, oh, so they've, uh, they have updated this, but we don't know who did it had to have been, it had to have been the algorithm. Like, think about that for a second. Google was like, yes, technology. Like it's like kind of like on its own created this whole new list so that it can kind of prime us for Skynet. (laughs) Damn you, Miles Dyson. (laughs) (laughs) So was your original suggestion with the pneumatic tubes that I would send you things from the mini fridge? Was that what that was? <laughs> yep. That was pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> <Perfect>. so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> send me some local, sure. some, some local beers. Um, <laughs> do you mean plant-based beers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> coming for you <laughs> you can drink them with your four burgers a year <laughs> yeah if I, I i can eat four impossible burgers they're healthier right <laughs> no those you can have as many as you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> so with that i mean we probably should talk about specific traditions right and so so the three of us had picked specific traditions that we wanted to dig into and it's worth probably diving into some things that kind of show like where traditions kind of get shaped up how they are produced and in kind of like why we think maybe something that seems a little bit weird actually has some kind of maybe functionality to where it came from right there's three of us recording right now but we're gonna stitch it all together into one seamless experience when we add in selena so we'll let selena take hers first Hello, everyone. Really great to be part of this anniversary episode. And congratulations again to why we do what we do on four wonderful years. Very happy to be joining the crew now, long-term listener as well. So as we are continuing on our wonderful journey of education here in traditions, I thought it would be good to kind of take a step back. And in order to have an anniversary tradition, you need to have a wedding. So we're not going to be going deep into some of the wedding traditions, but we are going to be going briefly over some Latin wedding traditions here. So in Venezuela, it is considered good luck to sneak away from your own reception and not get caught by your guests, which I think is kind of cool. In Puerto Rico, we have capias, which are the small gifts that you provide to your guests, you know, during your wonderful wedding. And on some of those gifts, you know, you can even have the skull faces from Dia de los Muertos. And those are also seen as good fortune for both the bride and groom and the guests who are attending. And one other area that we should talk about here that takes place in some, maybe most Mexican and or Latin American weddings is the coin giving or las aras. And this is something that originated in Spain. But then it spread to other countries as the Spaniards conquered many foreign lands. And the word aras means earnest money. 
And there are 13 coins. And the coins represent the groom's promise to provide for the newly family. There's a couple different representations for what each coin means. Traditionally, again, there's 13. 12 of them are gold. One of them is platinum. You know, you can get some faux-looking coins as well because, yeah, having 12 gold coins and one platinum, it's pretty sweet. But each gold coin represents the wealth shared between the couple for each month of their first year. And then the platinum coin is designated to share with the less fortunate. So always to be remembering to give when you can and to share as well when you can. There's also representation that the 12 coins represent the 12 months of the year and the prosperity for the newlyweds as they combine their finances. The last coin symbolizes an overabundance and again reminds the couple that they should always try to give back to the less fortunate and that they're blessed with more money if they need it. A more religious representation is that the 12 coins represent Jesus and then the 12 apostles and the importance of putting God first in their marriage. That's another representation for some. So who typically provides these weddings at these coins at a wedding? Las hadas are provided from the padrinos and madrinas, and these are often the individuals who help sponsor the wedding. Again, this is kind of lightly going into some of the wedding traditions that can occur, but not always. But that is typically who provides them for the wedding. And then during the ceremony, which more often than not takes place in a church, there is a blessing of some kind from the priest of the coins and that is given back to the bride and groom to continue on their blessed marriage and continue on and have all of these wonderful, you know, wedding anniversaries or anniversaries in general that everyone has been going over, which there's been quite a bit learned. So yeah, that is just a little overview that I thought would be kind of a fun little fast fact. And again, congratulations to why we do what we do on four years. And I hope there's many, many more. All right. Thanks, Selena. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Oh, my God. Brilliant. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I never thought of it that way. Uh, Hey, Alan. (laughs) Hey, hey. Do you want to tell us about about some China? Sure do. So in recently being married, um, along with rings and ceremonies and, and flowers and starting a family and whatnot, there is another tradition that comes along with that that seems to be very apparent. And it's lingering in all of your parents' dining rooms, likely. I'd even ask Shane and and Abraham, do you have a china closet yourself or do your parents? We do not. The fancy china was always the paper plates when guests came over. (laughs) (laughs) The good paper? Yeah, the good paper. Oh, it's the good paper, of course. Right, right. (laughs) Those commercials that like the pasta, like the plate wouldn't fold when the pasta was on it. You remember those commercials? Paper plates are Florida China. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. I think that my mom does, but I I don't have any myself. Are you looking to inherit it though? No. (laughs) No, I'm trying I'm trying to inherit as little as possible. Yes, exactly. And uh, such is the norm, it seems, more recently. But uh, to back it up a little bit, it seems that China, or just porcelain, which can be used interchangeably, called China because it was imported from China to Europe. China was one of the biggest exporters in the world, if not the biggest, for a period of time. And this is just porcelain dishes, whether it's a gravy boat, plate, bowl, fork, spoons, what have you. It's expensive because it takes a lot of heat and a lot of effort to fire it up to temperatures as high as 2200 to 2600 degrees Fahrenheit. So a lot more than 
anything else, <laughs> such as why they're so expensive. And because of being expensive, it was something that was seen as a attainable delicacy for generations above us. So even a lower class or middle class family could purchase this and emulate some of the high class society that might have been commonplace in centuries prior when it came to having meals, you know, with uh, the candlesticks and the you know, coming to America, a 20 foot long table where your father sits on the other end <laughs> and you have to call him on a phone. <laughs> but as a lot of you know, immigrant families um, or families of lower SES wanted to, you know, preserve family values and, and really hone in on having those family dinners and having friends over and really preserving those communal traditions, this was something that they could bust out whenever they wanted to, you know, have a big event. And it was saying that this is a very important event. You're worthy of my China. <laughs> <laughs> so as we, as we look to see how this has evolved over time, priorities have changed in subsequent generations. And as with our generation, as we just said, we're all Scrounging for space, those of us hipsters in New York City that live in closets don't have room for a bed, let alone a China closet. I imagine that you know anybody else that lives in a rural area, you're filling your your space with different you know items. Like Shane, I, I see you know Lego sets and guitars. That's true. I myself several guitars. There's there's different uses for your space. <laughs> More recent usage of this has seemed to shift a little bit toward anything from a potted plant in a former gravy boat or a soup bowl to putting stuff on a wall. <laughs> I guess that's an attractive thing. Probably because apparently the more expensive the china, the more translucent it is. So if you can see your reflection, I suppose you've done well and put it on <laughs> put it on your your um your wall. Despite this being a common fairly heirloom, it does seem to spend most of its existence behind glass in a dining room antique china closet or worse packed away stuffed in a box of newspaper and packing peanuts tucked away in an attic hoping that great great grandma's ghost is not looking for it up there in the attic to smite you <laughs> this is like john wick's gold <laughs> like you, you kill all these people to acquire this gold and then bury it under cement like now no one knows it's ever there, gets to it, it. Yeah. What am I going to do with this gold? <laughs> I need vaccines, not gold. <laughs> <laughs> what good is gold in a pandemic? Exactly. So along with generational shift uh, priorities, uh, you know, the circumstances change where you no longer need China to, to make COVID-19 go away. It will not cure the pandemic. Yeah, let's be real. We never saw we never saw a piece of China anywhere in any Mad Max film. So there's he has a correlation there. As it hits the fan, people have less dinners. It just makes sense. <laughs> they missed an opportunity to really uh, to to build that into that world where you like go into this cave hut thing and there's like fine china. Everything else is steampunk reclaimed garbage, and then some fine china that they're eating off. That's of. the next Mad Max movie. It's Mad Max <laughs> eloquent dinner. The fall the, the follow up to Fury Road. <laughs> you got to be hungry after that road. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's a long drive and you need a nice dinner. So what we see uh, along with generational shifts is just a change in the culture and the norms. So we're, we're seeing more kind of worldwide, a more relaxed society of barbecues, on-the-go meals, cozy Sunday dinners, and shout out to all those Italians making sauce for Paulie and Marie today. My mom, my mother-in-law represent <laughs> and young adults myself included at an earlier age are more likely to take their parents mismatched sets it's kind of like a car it's a good excuse for your parents to buy new stuff you know i feel like that's kind of the trend these days I, I would do it myself and you know you can get an entire four-person ceramic set that does you perfectly fine a target for under 50 bucks whereas if you try to buy a, a new dish or a gravy boat it could run you as high as 30 plus bucks worth it i don't know <laughs> 
Yeah, I think you spend the money better off doing pretty much anything. (laughs) (laughs) But like I said, you could use it for anything. It could be decoration. You could set a plant in it. You could put it out for anything. I suppose you could use it as an ashtray if you're a chain smoker. That'd be pretty hip too (laughs) while you're blogging. (laughs) Or here's a thought. Just going to throw this out there. Use the damn things. They're plates. Put food on them. Serve them. Serve your friends. <laughs> serve your enemies. It doesn't matter. Use them <laughs> because you're not honoring your, your anyone's legacy by letting them collect dust. In fact, you're so worried about them breaking. Everyone's told, you know, don't let it break. Don't let it break. If it breaks, you'll have 857 other pieces in your closet. There's enough to go around and break every day of the year. And you don't even care. <laughs> so I would highly suggest the next time you make avocado toast for your one night stand, surprise them. Use the china. You might get a second. Such a valuable lesson. Thank you, Alan. Oh, oh, <laughs> we'll conclude that. that. All right. And then let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and check out uh, Shane. What do you got? I'm going to go a little bit different route, and I'm going to talk about a group of people called the Maasai people in Kenya and northern Tanzania. And what do they do with gifts? Well, they spit on them. You know, I have worked with plenty of of people who spit on other people, and I do not like being spit on. It is not my favorite thing in the world. And actually, there's a pretty, (laughs) in all the research I found about this, there's a pretty general consensus that it's all framed in spitting is gross. Don't spit. Like every, every article was like, nobody likes this, but you know, what we found was interesting was that this, this group of people, this, this tribe is known for a whole lot of other things. So they're actually known for their ornate clothing where they wear these big, bright red body wraps. They call them sheets called shuka and colorful beads that adorn their limbs. And the shuka is actually red to symbolize the life and vitality of cattle blood because cattle is a big part of their nomadic type of culture. And actually cattle blood mixed with cattle milk is a regular part of their diet. Whoa. So they they are considered, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Isn't that just called yogurt? It <laughs> <laughs> would be the worst yogurt. No, thanks. No, thanks. They also have the other traditions like stretching their earlobes, using stones and elephant tusks. And the, this, this group also refuses to bury their dead. They leave their dead for scavengers. So they have a lot of different cultural norms, but what they specifically cite with this group is the fact that they spit on just about anything. They spit on their hands when they shake hands and greet their friends. They spit on their babies when the babies are born. They spit on their gifts when they hand over gifts. And they spit on their brides when they're getting ready to get married. So they, they literally spit on everything. They, if you're going to sign a contract, they spit on their hands and shake to like seal the contract. It's like, it's a very significant part of the culture. And so you might be asking why, why was there so much spit? And really they considered it a form of a blessing and a sign of respect. It's actually a really important part of that, the customs and, and, and all that. So, and they specifically said, if you are handing a gift over, or you're providing a gift and you don't spit on it, it's actually pretty disrespectful. So to give a little bit of, of insight on, on how this might happen when a baby is born, the families, the tribes people will actually spit on the head of the child to wish them long life. So there is like a vitality to it and kind of a blessing of long life. On wedding days, fathers will spit on their daughters to wish them a blessed union. And, and it's not just kind of like walking by and hawking a loogie on their wedding dress to be like, good luck. Like it's actually like spitting on their forehead, like spitting in their hand and wiping on the forehead or something along those lines. That's kind of the practice that's been going on. But Despite this being a, a, a cultural norm and, and part of like a preserved practice within this tribe, a lot of anthropologists have kind of spoken out against it due to the possible spread of disease, which I found it interesting that like 
a group of anthropologists who are studying a group of people are like, they shouldn't do that. It's like, that's not, aren't you supposed to do like the Star Trek thing where you like, you don't intervene and you don't like change that. You kind of just take a step back and go, Hey, this is okay. This is something that's happening. Not like you shouldn't do this thing. I found that interesting that there was like some outspoken anthropologists that were like, Nope, not allowed. So anyway, I wanted to touch on that, this idea of spitting. I just found it very interesting because I feel like if you had somebody come over to the United States and like you're at a birthday party and then they hand over your box of Legos, but they spit on the Legos before you got to open them, like you'd probably be pretty upset. Pre or post COVID. <laughs> probably worse now, right? Last year, me didn't care. It's Legos, <laughs> yeah. Legos man. <laughs> it's fine. We can wash them. <laughs> it does kind of remind me of that office skit where Dwight is saying, you know, the worst thing you can do for your immune system is to coddle it. And so then there's like a sort of montage of people sneezing and in his face and spitting in his coffee <laughs> and stuff. And he's like, thank, thank, thank you. <laughs> and like trying to be all masculine about it. <laughs> you try to like suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it was, you know, it's funny as I was studying this and like researching this, I could not find a single thing about where it come from, where it came from, why it started, like, like where that process came from or like where, like even like a spiritual component to it. It was literally just everything just said, it's a form of blessing. It's a sign of respect. And that's all I could find on it. So I would love to look into this more and see if we can find something a little bit deeper on it. Maybe there's like a gradual transition away from the kiss, which can be kind of, you know, a wet kiss sort of turned into just slobbering on something, turn to like spitting on something i don't know yeah that, i think that's fair maybe maybe they wanted to kiss people from a distance and that was like the closest they could do that's right maybe that's the thing maybe we blow kisses oh that's true that's yeah that's a good point yeah maybe we blow kisses and they just spit on people Ma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i work with so many people that will do that when they do that they, go, they don't like they, they don't like make the smack they just go ma looks like you're saying thank you in uh, asl yeah all right <laughs> we all are we all wrapped up on spitting <laughs> <laughs> yep so i yeah we're good we're good with spitting now we can we can move on I'm, I'm perfectly okay with moving on okay i found one that is it's not something i celebrate unlike shane i'm <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Shane's spitting on everything but i found one that was really interesting in looking at traditions and so there's this interesting tradition in wales they have this thing called a love spoon and in this tradition the groom or whoever you know one of the spouse people they gift this intricately carved wooden spoon, and then the lover that receives this gift would wear it around their neck for a number of days. That was at least the original tradition. Anymore, it seems like what I was reading that they aren't really wearing it. They will just hang it somewhere as a decoration. But if originally they accepted it, then they would wear it for a couple of days. If they rejected it, then they would not wear it. And so there was, you just sort of gave them this spoon. So I was like, that's really interesting that you would give someone this like very elaborately carved, delicate wooden spoon as a gift. I wonder how this got started. Yeah. Well, the earliest one, it seems to date back hundreds of years. And there was lots of gifts that were given as part of these sort of ceremonial things, gifts of, you know, sweets and cakes, etc. Whatever it is, they would give it to their lover. But this hand carved love spoon was definitely a thing. And this could have been for honestly any type of celebration. So you had people gifting these wooden spoons for weddings, for births, birthdays, Valentine's days, and Valentine's days, I guess just there's one <laughs> engagement. And of course, anniversaries, which is why we're talking about it here. Mm -hmm. Now, the earliest example that, that was found is dated to 1667. It's being kept in this Museum of Welsh Life at St. Fagan's in Wales. 
Now, the tradition of gifting spoons, although it is described as a Welsh spoon or having belonged to Wales, it did it, it did actually spread to other places. The Welsh and English words have their origin for the words uh, love spoon. Obviously, we have the word spooning. Mm-hmm. We have the big spoon and the little spoon. And maybe if you're polyamorous, there's lots of spoons. You have a whole spoons collection <laughs> going on. It's a silverware drawer. It's a silverware. <laughs> that's what that's called. It's polyamorous bed of spooning. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh! In American culture, I think we tend to refer to spooning as essentially cuddling, where one person is behind the other one, and they kind of are shaped like a spoon, which is why it's called spooning. The English word spooning now refers to a pair of kissing or cuddling. So cuddling is sort of a match. And then in Welsh, sboner, I'm guessing is how that's pronounced, mm-hmm. uh, would be a boyfriend or maybe just a partner in this case. I'm not sure. Now, as I said, this did spread to other Celtic countries. So uh, there's Breton and Brittany, and this is translated instead to a marriage spoon. These spoons are very elaborate. And I posted some pictures in here, and we can post some on our social media for for this episode so you can see what they look like. They're They're quite intricate looking. Yeah. Like lots of these sort of knots and weaves of overlaying pieces of wood like you kind of look at a thing like how did they make that particularly if they were handmade and i was also trying to i I was wondering why spoons or why wood and why all of this really and essentially what i found is that at least one of the sources i was looking at suggested that the reason that this became a tradition is that woodworking was extremely important in this in the culture at the time and that if you couldn't make a fine wooden spoon that was meticulous and intricate, that, that suggested that you weren't a worthy partner. Hmm. And so uh, part of it was that you were sort of showing the, the person who you were courting, you were showing their family that you were a person of value because you could create these highly decorative wooden spoons and and so that 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 had to do, I guess, with where that sort of came from. Anymore, you just like go on sort of the wooden spoon Etsy and just order one, and it's still like the tradition of gifting it exists. I don't. I'm sure that there are people who do still hand make them. And by the way, if you're one of them, <laughs> please reach out to us and let us know because I would love to see some pictures and definitely hear some people talk about that some more. Yes. So for those folks that can't see the spoons that, that Abraham was just talking about and, and maybe don't have social media and you're just listening because this is fun, they look very much so like the Celtic knots you'd see in like traditional Gaelic imagery, like religious imagery and stuff like that, where they're the, these really like tightly wound vines or, uh, or or lines that kind of like interlock with one another. I mean, they, they are really, from a, just a craftsmanship perspective, they are really beautiful and really, really intricate. Like uh, I could understand how this would prove somebody's worth because like, it doesn't make any sense to me when you look at them, how like, just like how incredibly complex they are. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. And so the, the different symbols they may use, I actually saw one that was more contemporary that had like a dragon <laughs> that they had built into it. So it was like sort of a, like <laughs> the handle itself. So the, and that's where a lot of the decoration is, is in the handle. The handles are these sort of Celtic knots. So it's not just like a, a handle with carvings in it. It's the wood is carved into these sort of sinuous sort of shapes. And uh, this one had that I was looking at had these sort of knots that held a dragon in place. And then the knots continued on and formed the, the basin of the spoon at the end. It was really cool. That was the one that the Mad King gave at his wedding, correct? <laughs> to, to his sister. <laughs> to his sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. There's a lot of different sort of motifs and iconography that they use in these that used to have some meaning. I mean, they, it's not that they don't, but I think that anymore people, because they 
really just use them for decorations. So they'll have leaves and vines and apparently dragons and stuff like that. And I guess right now the suggestion anymore is just choose something that has some meaning to you and then that's your design. But I think that there used to mean something like if it was a flower, maybe it meant fertility and stuff like that. Like most things, it's really just turned into, ooh, pretty. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I found on on Welsh love spoons. I'm thinking about these like really decorative spoons and I just think about like how human beings as we've gotten old, like we've moved away from like a lot of the symbolism and like this deep meaning stuff. Like I feel like more people should read poetry at some point in time. Like it just get really like that should become a more important thing because you we've moved away from it. And then now I'm just thinking of somebody going and getting like a Chobani yogurt where you like you have the mix ins and then you're using this like elaborate dragon spoon to mix in <laughs> your chocolate chips into your yogurt and eat that for breakfast. Like what a shift in in importance and culture, you know, it definitely seems like we could they could combine some of these. We could use your uh, your Celtic wooden dragon spoon to eat your uh, blood milk. you know your blood milk yogurt i guess that's like a strawberry gogurt sort of thing (laughs) but you eat it out of your china dish right so it all (laughs) it all synthesizes into one tradition (laughs) but you know what it is though i'm thinking about that like i feel like we have different traditions and it's like now when you think about it you're like okay so i was growing up and i had one of those spoons that you got out of your cereal that like changed colors when the milk was cold. And I used that to eat my, my Crunchberry cereal out of my Ninja Turtle bowl that is expertly crafted out of plastic and the paint is chipping off. And, you know, it's just, it's just different strokes for different folks, I guess. That was before they took lead out of paint. So very sweet. Paint. <laughs> those were the days in the sixties <laughs> and seventies when serial killers run rampant. <laughs> So a couple of quick things. This is our, as I said, our four year anniversary. So congratulations to all of you, to, to us. And thank you everyone for listening. Uh, <laughs> we're, I'm, 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 I don't know. It's, you know, it's cool. I, I'm glad that we've made it this far. And, and so far I have no plan of stopping. I really do want to do something special for our five year anniversary. I, I might send you guys a piece of leather in the mail or something, but <laughs> just kidding. I don't know if we've covered this yet, but for our four year anniversary, in the United States, the traditional gift is fruits or flowers. And then, of course, there's the modern one is an appliance. In the UK, it's silk or linen. The gemstone for this anniversary is blue topaz, which means that the color for this anniversary is blue. <laughs> blue brown. Yeah, blue brown. The flowers I saw were hydrangea or geraniums. And then I also found a couple other tidbits I thought I'd share. Just in several countries, apparently, for your 50th and 75th anniversaries, you can receive a letter from the governor or prime minister or president, whoever your leader is on your 50th anniversary. And in some of those countries, they'll do it every five years, which that's like, that's like thousands of letters a year hmm. that these, these people are penning. So yeah. they've got to have just sort of a stock template at this end. But I mean, maybe there's not that many people who make it to 50 anniversaries, but I thought that was kind of interesting that that existed anywhere. It's a funny thing to celebrate. Cause I don't know that I would want a letter from my governor. <laughs> like I like there's I don't need a, I don't need a letter from DeSantis saying congratulations on 15 years like I, I don't like I no thanks I was thinking about that too I was like I feel like there would be some people who you know when when Obama was president their 50th anniversary sent him a letter and they just throw it in the fire without even looking at it <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah what a world we live in what a world yeah that's all I got on anniversaries like I said thank you thank you everyone for who's listening thank you for sticking around with us you're the reason that we can do this and that we've been able to do this for so long and it's it's just fun you know to to keep talking about these random bizarre topics and digging into the history and various cultures and understanding how and how and why they happen as much as we can 
because there's obviously a lot of things that that we don't know because the information is incomplete. But yeah, I don't know if we, if we need a lot of take home points for this, just given that we're just sort of recapping various uh, traditions. Aside from to say that I do think of a major take home point from the specific anniversary gifts is the fact that this did seem to stem from like a legitimate appreciation of hey you made it a really long time being married that's cool congratulations yeah and also like we really like categorizing things into buckets and then also that once capitalism got involved <laughs> it was like <laughs> now we're gonna sell you things that you can give on these anniversaries and you need one every year and every yep. half year yep Yep. And every 12.5 years or 6.25 uh, years? 12.5? Yeah, yeah, as I say, those are the those weird ones. Don't forget that one. Six and a quarter, 12.5, and then 37 and a half. I don't know if there's a section in Hallmark for that. I'm going to have to take a peek. Have, <laughs> hey, that means that there's a niche market that you can exploit. Yes, yes. Target audience. <laughs> you know, I think my big take-home point was the fact that um, now I know who Emily Post is. <laughs> we need to follow great. up on socialite etiquette and behavior. Like, we need an update to the blue book on social usage. You know, that, that makes me think that in reading Atlas Shrugged several years ago, who is John Galt? Is I want to I want to do social media post that it's like who is Emily Post? It'd be worth it. It'd be worth it. I mean, I, you know, one thing I, I do want to say too is I I, I want to say thank you as well. You know, I I came onto the show I think on episode seventy one. Like I came in after the show had already been established and and you guys had gotten your feet wet and really got the show moving. And so I appreciate you kind of welcoming me into the fold and. In allowing me to be a part of this. And, you know, it's been really cool to work with the folks that we've had in the past. And over this last year or two, having folks like Alan come in and, and help with like, the notes. And, and you know, we always joke because now Alan's notes are really fantastic. And we always have to split his episodes into two <laughs> because he just writes such detailed, thorough notes. And we always run longer when we record his episodes because the jokes are so good that we can't stop <laughs> laughing. So it, it's it's been really great to be able to connect with folks. I mean, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that I don't think that everybody realizes. I mean, it really does take a team to make this happen. I mean, you know, we've got Justin and Selena and we've got Amber and we've just got a lot of folks here. Without you listening and supporting us and without having this crew here, I don't know that it would exist in the same format. Just be me in my closet by myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's just called living in New York, my friend. <laughs> Word. And we talk a lot, we took a lot of digs at various cities today. It's been really fun. It could be a new tradition. We're coming for you next week, Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Can know nothing about you, but I will. <laughs> did you learn did you learn about Des Moines to make fun of them sarcastically? I feel like I had a capitals discussion recently. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that was a other guy's reference did you learn ballet sarcastically <laughs> alan do you have any take-home points you'd like to add just that uh, it's been an absolute pleasure being a part of this team as well coming into it right before a pandemic and and you know having it as an outlet to talk to good people about really relevant things whether it was politics or mummies or uh you know <laughs> why we buy china and buy celtic wooden woven spoons there's always something else to learn from our behavior. And, and I think there are, there's much to discover and I'm looking forward to doing it in good company. Cool. Oh, uh, I'm sending you a love spoon in a, tube, in a pneumatic tube. <laughs> in a pneumatic tube. <laughs> that's, that's the noise. Yeah. That should be the noise from now. That's, yep. that's a good one. Yeah. Boom. I like that. I only use banks with pneumatic tubes. I don't always bank in person. For what I do. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I think uh, I certainly would like to seriously invite everyone to share your own wedding traditions with us. You know, respond to this in the social media post. Let us know or reach out to us via email. If you have a specific history of China or like China dishes that you'd like to talk, show us pictures of or tell us about, <laughs> I'd be very interested to hear about that. If you are um, drinking blood milk, I'm concerned about you, but hopefully you're safe and all is well. Or if you like the band kind of like spitting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And if you can tell me anything, any anything more about Welsh love spoons, I'd love to hear some. Oh, you know, we we haven't done any recommendations. Should we do some recommendations really quick? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Recommendations. My recommendation is to be creative with your own traditions. Make your own. We've just gone over some elaborate traditions that are customary in some traditions. And I think it's really good to, you know, pay homage to them if that works for you. And then if they don't, make your own, you know, make it personal, start some maybe of your own traditions, be creative with it. You know, you know your partner best and your partner hopefully knows you best as well. So get something worth and have fun with it. So yeah, I think that's great. Be creative with it. Make your own traditions. That's my recommendation. Have a great day. All right. So I'm going to recommend a board game because I, I do that thing. And this is one that was I, I backed on Kickstarter and it just recently came and I've gotten to play through it. And it's just it's a lot of fun. I really like the way that it's structured. It's called Genotype. And this belongs to a series of games by a publisher named uh, or called uh, genius games and these are all science-based games and genotype is sort of about uh, gregor mendel's experiments with discovering how genes are inherited and he used pea plants to do his experiments hmm. and it's a really cool game so i am i'm recommending it i like that i am going to recommend specifically introducing your kids or children young children to power metal if you're not familiar with power metal and the type of music, <laughs> it is essentially just really talented metal musicians who write like fantasy novels in just overlay it, like overlay the lyrics. I mean, Iron Maiden is a good example of like what that might look like. They're kind of a power metal band. And so you go listen to like the Trooper and all that. But specifically, I'm going to give you three bands to introduce to your kids that will change their lives. Dragon Force, Hammerfall, and Sonata Artica. Go, go just play those bands. If you want to get like a little bit heavy and like get in the weeds with it, if you want to like introduce your kids to Viking war metal, then bring them to Amon Amarth. That's fine too. But either way, just introduce them because my eight year old is now loves. I mean, he already loved Godzilla and stuff like that. So now he just has music to to listen to watch those movies by. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great combination. And I'm going to add Symphony X <laughs> to that list. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so that's great. My recommendation today is extremely tied to the, the relevant topics that we discuss, and it is do not forget your anniversary, whether it's your wedding anniversary <laughs> or anything else that you need to celebrate. It's commonly tied to be a male thing to forget it, but it can happen to anybody, but it shouldn't. So wh- however you use you know, a planner or a phone reminder or an alarm, do it because someone's going to be counting on you and they deserve your attention. I love that. Nice. That's so wholesome. Perfect. So thank you very much for recording with me today, Shane and Alan, and for jumping in with us, Selena. This has been a lot of fun. It was exciting to learn about all these sort of random traditions around the world. 
if you would like to share anything with us or tell us happy fourth birthday, wow, we're happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> or say something nice or correct us on something, you know, whatever. We, we want it, We want it, all your feedback. So please reach out to us at info at www.podcast.com. You can reach us at all the social media platforms that way. If you haven't already, you should subscribe to this so that you catch all of our episodes. And hey, share this with a friend. Let them know about the random wedding tr- or uh, anniversary traditions that are out there. I think that's all I got. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. Nope. That's it. All right. This is Abraham. And this is Shane. Zone. We are out. See ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at WWD Podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. When you were talking about cakes, um, I immediately thought of Aleister Crowley. I just listened to this whole um, like series on him, and he would make like these cakes called Cakes of Light that he would gift upon like his followers, um, and they were. <clears throat> uh, it was it was like a baked cake that had like human feces, blood, and semen in it, and a touch of honey. Wow, <laughs> like, that's what he would be like. Eat this, and they'd be like, "This is the worst," and they would just leave the the place that he was at. And then it was called the Shepherd's Pie, and everyone loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone loved it. I think that's just I think that's how scones started. Oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs>